Get to Old Navy now for February's biggest style steal. 40% off all jeans and tees. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. With tees from just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. All jeans and tees are on sale, even your favorite rock star jeans. All jeans and all tees are 40% off right now. Don't miss out. Run into Old Navy and OldNavy.com today. Valid 211 to 221 excludes in-store clearance jeans and tees. Active licensed and men's package tees. Run into Old Navy Saturday and Sunday for 50% off all Old Navy active styles for adults and kids. They're all 50% off. But hurry, it's Saturday and Sunday only at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 215 to 216 excludes in-store clearance and baby. Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, one, one. When I had come down this hill, I had seen this creature cross the road. It would have ripped my locked door from my truck, extracted me from my vehicle, and there wasn't a damn thing I could have done about it. This thing, I got to notice in its eyes. Its eyes was real, real evil, real sinister looking. Look, it was given. Sasquatch Chronicles, a place where people share their encounters. Let's start the show. Welcome to the show, everyone. Hope your Sunday's going well. Hope your weekend went well. I'm just coming off of uh, spring break. And I was sick most of last week. Doing better today, feeling a little bit better. And excited to be here, excited to be here with you. And get into some encounter stories. Before we actually start for the night, I want to give a couple shout-outs. The first guy I want to give a shout-out to is Anthony. And Anthony actually created the Sasquatch Chronicles fans, uh, with an exclamation mark at the end, group on Facebook. And I wanted to uh, thank Anthony for for everything that he does for the show, and thank you for creating the group. It's a great group. If you get a chance, check it out. Jay, I got your email from Grants Pass. Uh, thank you for the kind words. Christian, I got your encounter. I will be in touch with you. Uh, Justin, thank you for the article. Carl, thank you for the kind email. Trey, keep the emails coming, and thank you for all the positive feedback that you give. Rick, Thank you for the email, and I want you to tell. I wanted to tell you to be safe out there in the oil fields. And I'll be doing more shout-outs uh, on every show. Appreciate all the emails that I get. 
I'm a couple days behind right now on emails, but uh, I will be in touch with you. If you have an encounter story and you'd like to be on the show, shoot me an email, wes at sasquatchchronicles.com. It's wes at sasquatchchronicles.com. Send me your encounter, send me your story, and I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to have you on the air. Coming up on Wednesday night, uh, if you're a member of the site at sasquatchchronicles.com, I'm kind of uh, developing a special show. As a week goes on, I will go more into it, but I, I have a pretty big show coming up uh, that I'm planning for Wednesday night. So look for that at sasquatchchronicles.com. Wanted to let everyone know, too, on the website, the forums are coming back. Uh, I'm doing some cleanup. And I want to create the forums as a place to where we can all uh, discuss this topic. And I don't want it to turn into a place for trolls to live. So uh, the the forums are coming back. And so if you have any feedback on anything you'd like to see on the website, or if you have any improvements for the show that you have in mind, uh, feel free to shoot me an email. I do read your emails. Uh, hence why I'm behind a couple days on emails. But I do read your emails. And I do take to heart uh, everything that you send me. So if you get a chance, shoot me an email. Dan in California wants to know, why are you talking so much about Nephilim and lights lately in your show? And he talks about, uh, <laughs> I'm going down the flute player route. Um, Dan, I'm not really going down the flute player route. The lights, I think I've already discussed the lights. Uh, but with regard to the Nephilim, I don't believe that Sasquatch is the Nephilim. And for people who have no idea what I'm talking about, uh, the Nephilim were giants in the Bible uh, that were basically monsters. I don't believe that's what Sasquatch is. I think Sasquatch is nothing more than a wild animal out there running around, a primate uh, that can be killed and does bleed. But you would be amazed. A lot of, of researchers, a lot of people in this topic they believe that these are the Nephilim. So I'm open to have the conversation with with people uh, as long as we base it in reality. But I, you'd be amazed how many people have that thinking on that's what these are. Anytime there's a mystery, I think as human beings, we try and solve the mystery. Uh, we We don't like the unknown. We don't like not knowing the answers. And so we try to develop our own theories and our own answers on what these are. And so I think it's important to have the discussion with, with people. I just honestly think this is a wild, nothing more than a wild animal primate out there running around, uh, that does bleed and does, and can be killed. But, you know, and, and so that's why I wanted to answer your, your email on the air. Cause I'm sure a lot of other people are thinking that too. And like I said, that's not my line of thinking. I really don't think that they are, but, uh, a lot of people do feel that way. And so, uh, hey, I'm open to have the discussion. Keep the emails coming. Appreciate all the kind words. I'm sorry if I didn't get to you for a shout out this time. I uh, will try to do those as we move forward with the show. On the show, I'll be speaking to Randy. He's my first guest tonight. And Randy had a pretty interesting encounter back in 1998 when he had rocks thrown at him. I wanted to have him start off by talking about this first incident back in 1998. Uh, Randy, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. No problem. Thank you for having me, man. Now, Randy, can you go into your first encounter that you had back in 1998? Can you kind of tell us what you were doing and then what happened? Um, 
Well, in 1998, it was uh, late May of 1998. I don't remember the exact date. I want to think it was about May 23rd, 24th. Me, uh, my and my, or me and my, uh, my cousin Jace had decided to go up to a, an old abandoned quarry that's outside of the town we live in. And we've been up there a thousand times before that. Uh, I would lay out of school back in high school and go up there and hang out. Uh, I live in a pretty rural, rural little town in the middle of nothing. And, uh, it's not much to do. So we've been up there a bunch of times. And, uh, we had went up there. And we just, you know, we just go up there and hang out. And there was a, there's a bunch of quarry caves up there and, and, uh, you know, stuff like that. And we had got up there. It's about a mile, a mile point five, I think, up to where there's a, there's a, a lake in a box canyon. So we had gotten up to this lake that day and decided, you know, we were just going to laze about for a while and, and, uh, stick our feet in the water and, and, uh, enjoy, you know, the, the weather before we went up to the caves. And while we were, sitting there with our feet in the water, uh, something on top of this cliff, and the cliffs are, I think, about 60, 70 feet tall, something like that, uh, started vocalizing at us. It was, I've grown up, you know, hearing the sticks my whole life, and you know, I know what most animals sound like, uh, camp my whole life, and I had no idea what this, you know, was, so we kind of, it sounded like a, uh, like a howler monkey mixed with a, a really pissed off bull and it was making this kind of like sound and it did this over and over and we thought because uh, I obviously didn't recognize it that uh, it was just some redneck up there messing with us and so uh, it does this a few times and, and we look at each other my cousin and I and, and we kind of make the sound back and throw you know some expletives in there to try to get the people to leave it was quiet. So we thought, you know, well, you know, they, they've left. And not very long goes by, maybe a minute at that, this huge rock that, that's, I mean, it had to, it had to weigh at least 300 pounds, at least, just goes soaring off that cliff. And I mean, like 15, 20 feet away from the cliff at a, at a you know, an arch. And, uh, you know, we see this thing crash down into the water, and we kind of just, you know, stare, because, you know, what the hell? And I remember we looked at each other for a second, and my cousin's like, you know, where could have done that? And I'm like, you know, I have no idea. And it started vocalizing again. Uh, not as not as much as it, it had previously, but, but it starts vocalizing again. Is it doing the same type of vocals? Yeah, that, that sound. Uh, it would do it, like the first time it would do it, it would be extended, and then it would kind of sound like it was, it would shorten it a couple times afterwards. Almost sounded kind of like the, the whoops you hear, but it, it wasn't a whoop. It was, it was more of a than it was a whoop. I don't, I don't know how else to explain it. At this point, do you still think it's a redneck up there, or what are you thinking at this point? No, no. I'm a, I'm a big guy. I'm six foot four and weigh like 265 pounds. And, and most of that, I mean, I'm a pretty beefy guy. And my cousin's six foot three. And both of us together would have been lucky if we could have picked that rock up and, and you know, pushed it over the the edge. I, I mean, it was, a, it was a really good sized rock. And to see it like just fly like that, man, you know, there, there's, there was nothing, I know of nothing still 
you know, animal-wise, especially around, you know, Middle Tennessee, that, that could do something like that. So what what happens next? It starts vocalizing. <laughs> oh, you guys just uh, don't... Was it still vocalizing prior to you guys leaving? No, it, it, it did the vocalization uh, a few more times, and then it just got, you know, it, before I, I... Honestly, I don't remember if it was still doing it when we left. I remember uh, when it started up again, you know, we kind of just looked at each other, and, and it really, without even saying anything, we were kind of like, well, we need to go. Because it, it really gave the impression of, you know, you need to move on now. And uh, so we did. Yeah, I can imagine with a 300-pound rock being thrown over the, the edge of a cliff and this thing's vocalizing, I don't blame you guys for uh, for wanting to leave. I think most people would want to leave. How many how many years was it before your next encounter? Um, That was in 1998, in 2001. And, and <clears throat> I can't say that this is what that was, this is what that, you know, it was, because I didn't see anything like that. Um, but in... uh. 2001, uh, we were camping up at the same place, the same, uh, same quarry. And, uh, we were with, uh, it was me and my cousin and about three other friends and my oldest son, who is now 21, but he, I think he was seven at the time. Uh, we went up there and I was telling, at this point, I had talked to like the BFRO because I, I'd gotten hold of them, you know, I'd asked people around my town, like, you know, walking that a bin, and then they just gave me kind of the runaround. Um, but I talked to a couple of researchers by that point. You know, they basically told me about the, the wood knocking and, and stuff, you know, that, that's associated with, with this. And so I'm telling my friend Jamie, who was with us, uh, he's like, you know, well, you know, what should I be listening for and all this stuff? And I'm like, well, you know, they say they do this and they say they do that and, and all this. And, and I kid you not, it, it wasn't. It wasn't 10 minutes later. We walked out. We were camping in the back of one of the, the big quarry caves. And we were walking out. And as we walked out uh, across, because where the quarry cave is, there's a big cliff that it's in the middle of. And then there's a cliff that's on the opposite side of it. And as we walked out, these three, you know, rhythmic whack, whack, whack uh, on the, the cliff up on the other side of us just happens. And, you know, we both kind of freeze. And, uh, and two, uh, two more rapid, like, whack, whack, happened right above us on the cliff. And, I mean, they were loud. I don't know that that's what that was, but, uh, it was weird that it happened like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, that is strange. That is strange. What was it hitting against? Rock? Or was it wood? It sounded like wood. But I've been, I've been you know, in the years since then, I've been all over that place, man, with, with people going up on those cliffs and looking around and, and, uh, the only thing I can think of is if, if that was what it was that was on the other cliff uh, uh, facing the cave that we came out of, it had to have been up on, because that, that cliff up there is really narrow. Uh, there's some uh, pine trees and cedars and stuff growing in it, because that place has been abandoned for almost 40 years now. I mean, it had to have been up, you know, in those those sparse trees, but I mean, you we didn't see anything. But again, I mean, it was, it was ways up there, but but it wasn't, it wasn't like a really heavily wooded, wooded uh, ridgeline. So that was kind of surprising that, you know, we didn't see anything, but it obviously came from that direction. So. Yeah, you know, 300-pound rocks don't just fly off the edge of cliffs on their own. You know, you're hearing this strange vocalization. Now you're in another position where you're having this strange experience going on. And I think we can kind of narrow down, uh, for the most part, what's causing this and, and what you're encountering. 
But at this point, you actually haven't seen anything yet. And in 2011, you had an encounter. Can you tell us about that? I used to run a uh, uh, immersive interactive theater, basically. What we did basically was it's kind of like Ren Fair. Uh, we would set up this this kind of like you know medieval style uh, environment there on uh, state parks that we would rent out for the weekend. Uh, sometimes we would rent it for a week. Sometimes we'd rent it for two weeks. At this point, when we were doing it, we actually were were uh, we had a two week long event, and so people from all over the country, you know, uh, would come and, and hang out, and uh, you know, basically just. It was a way for, you know, people to socialize and dress up and, and, you know. Yeah. And so I was, I've been running events like that since 2001. We had decided to run this two, this two week long event. Uh, this was in a state park about 45 minutes from where I live and been written this, you know, kind of like going up to that quarry. We'd rid of these sites, you know, dozens upon dozens of times, uh, been all over them and, the rangers up there, a couple of years before all this, a few years before all this, kind of started opening up and, and telling me things that, you know, people were saying they were sitting in the park or, or things they were finding in the park. That all came about because I asked one of the rangers once, just point blank, you know, have you ever seen anything weird out in the woods? And he related his story about, you know, he, he had a sighting accident. This ranger did when he was 16. So we were five days into this two-week-long two event, and me and... One of my staff members, uh, we had we we have actually had field battles during these these things where they use replica weapons and you know we beat each other. We had done this for a good couple of hours straight, and I actually have a type of epilepsy where uh, if I get really fatigued, uh, really badly, stuff like that, it'll actually make me have a seizure. And so I kind of overexerted myself during this field battle, and. It was just winding down, and, and my staff members have gotten pretty good at telling when I'm going to have one. So they kind of went and grabbed me a, a mattress out of one of the cabins and put it on the ground. And you know, I laid there for, for 45 minutes or so, and I get up, and one of the uh, one of my staffers uh, asked me if I wanted to go down to this uh, the creek that's nearby the uh, the site there before I go to bed with him. So I'm not sure. So we start walking down, and the site is kind of sort of uh, like a like a triangle, the cabins are. And out of one of these corners, this, this uh, triangle is the little road that goes down to where this creek is, and there's a swimming area. And we were walking through that, that last section of the cabins, not thinking about anything like this at all. And we get past, we get to the, uh, the last cabin that's on the left uh, in that part of the camp, and past that cabin is about, about 100 yards up this road, just kind of through woods and stuff that goes to where this creek is. And we got right there to that cabin, and we hear, like, sticks breaking and stuff, as if someone's uh, trying to catch up with us, like walking, you know, in the grass. And so we both turn, and my staff member, um, he's six foot five. He's, he's a good inch taller than I am. And he used to, at the time, he was actually uh, uh, coaching football and stuff. He's a really big guy. And we both turn, you know, expecting like another staff member to come running up. There is this tall, you know, hair covered, uh, kind of reddish brown hair, muscly thing, just, uh, walking kind of parallel to us at an angle. And the direction it's coming from looked as if it was coming from behind the last cabin that was on the other side 
of where we were uh, on the side of the road. What what time of day is this? This is about one o'clock in the morning. Oh, okay. sometime between one and two o'clock, I think. Because uh, that field battle lasted till midnight at least, and then I was out for a while, so I'm guessing it was sometime around one o'clock, probably. So, what, uh, how tall do you think the figure was that was that was parallel? I actually went on Google Earth and uh, to the side, and you know, kind of you know, did the little distance measure thingy from where we were and where it was, and we were about twenty five yards. It starts walking, you know, it's, it's sitting there walking, and all of this happened in like five seconds. And, you know, when we first saw it, like, it's that, like, I don't know, I, I always thought, you know, years of, of looking into all this stuff and going out and trying to see one, you know, that if I did see one, well, you know, some kind of crazy, I don't know, Bigfoot enthusiast, you know, mindset's going to pop in, and I'm going to just be a, you know, great recorder of this instance. <laughs> and I, my brain couldn't come to grips with what I was actually seeing. Like, I remember actually sitting there thinking, you know, is that a, is that a deer? No, there's no way that's a deer. Is that a, you know, what the hell? And, and it was like a really, uh, I don't know if it was a full moon, but there was a good moon out at the time. So this thing was pretty well lit. And it, it walks, it starts walking into the weeds near where the, the woods are to the side of the camp and it stops and it turns and looks at us for, you know, a second or two. And then just turns around and walks off, you know, like it had no care in the world. And, and that was the part that still, to me, just creeps me out. Because it didn't act like an animal, you know, that was freaked out that there was people seeing it. It didn't act like a, like, you know, it was in any kind of hurry. You know, but it just, it just literally acted like it did not give a damn, you know, that, that we were watched looking at it and seeing it and, yeah, and I think that's the interesting point about this encounter, and most people who have encounters like this, is a lot of times the creatures really don't seem to be too apt to leave like most wild animals. You know, most wild, when you come across a wild animal in the woods, 99% of the time they will run from you. And these things don't really do that, and I think it throws a lot of people off. I understand, too, when you're looking at it, trying to come to grips with what you're seeing. You know, it's so outside of your frame of reference you're looking at this thing, you're like, okay, it's not a deer, it's not a bear, is it a person? Okay, it's not a person. So I can definitely understand that. Can you kind of describe, I realize it was dark, but can you kind of describe for the audience what you were, what you actually saw? Yeah, uh, like I said, I, I'm six foot four and my, my staff member six foot five, uh, and we both agreed afterwards, you know, it was, it was bigger than both of us. It was probably at least seven foot, if not bigger. It was, it was very well defined like muscle-wise, but it wasn't enormous, you know what I mean? It wasn't like, uh, it wasn't thick like, I, I guess like Patty was, Patty is or whatever in the, in the film. It, it, uh, it looked leaner, but it was still, you know, big. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> kind of like, like a, a, I guess a leaner football player, you know, just, I mean, it was, it was huge, but, but not gigantic. It was really broad too. When it turned, when it actually finally turned and started walking away from us in the woods, it was wide. Yeah, I think Patty kind of has that barrel shape to her. Uh, and probably, it sounds like what you ran into was probably a male or a young male. Uh, was this your friend's first encounter with something like this? And what was your guys' conversation like? Well, we, we, <laughs> our reaction, we were so freaked out by it. When it finally turned and started to walk in the woods, I don't remember who said it first, if it was me or if it was him, but, but, uh, one of us said, you know, what the, you know, F is that? 
And the other one's like, you know, I don't know what the F is that. And I remember looking at him for a second, him looking at me, and, and we both probably had eyes, you know, as big around as our palms. And then we, uh, while he was walking into the woods, like we turned and went running back towards uh, the main part of the camp. And I don't remember actively like yelling or screaming or anything like that, but we, we must have because uh, some of the attendants that were there at our event come running towards us. Uh, a couple of them actually had, you know, like their, their you know, weapon replicas out, you know, to beat on us. And when one of them got to us, uh, it was a, a woman named Mindy. She gets to us and she's like, you know, she just stopped and she's like, what's wrong with you guys? You know, well, what happened? Because I guess you could see just we were, you know, scared half to death. And, you know, this is, this is, like I said, this is like on day not five of the of a 12-day event. But we didn't want to freak everybody out and sit there and say, well, we saw this. So what we did was we took her, since she was the one who ran up on us, and we took uh, a couple of other of the attendants and we took all of staff into uh, this big building we've got there on site. And we sat them down and we're like, look, you know, you guys... You know, you don't want to believe us, you don't have to believe us, but, you know, you're not going to call a flyer. This is what just happened. And one of the, uh, one of our staff members is a, uh, he is a diehard skeptic. Uh, you know, if he can't hold it in his hands and, and, and bite it like it's not real. Yeah, you know, I was totally expecting him to basically give us a lot of grief. But when we got done, you know, I told him what I saw, or I told him what I saw, and then my staff member told me what he saw. And he said, uh, after it was over and done with, he's like, I believe you guys. And I was kind of surprised. And he's like, I've never seen, you know, he's pointing at my, my staff member that saw it. And he's like, I've never seen that man cry or even get upset about, you know, anything like this. And he's like, he has tears streaming down his face and he was talking about this. And he's told me since then that uh, he's like, there has never been anything when he thinks back on it that still scares him like that moment of what we saw. I wanted to ask you about your impression. And what I mean by that is, do you think that the creature was stalking you guys as you guys were walking down to the pond? Or do you think that you had crossed paths with the creature on your way down to the pond and you both noticed each other? In the creature's mind, it was time to go. In your mind, it was time to go. Do you think it was actually stalking you guys? Or do you think that you guys had crossed paths? Well, like one of the things the rangers had talked about to me, like, this was uh, a couple of years before this. I think it was in 2009. They had found hair samples near that site that we were on, up in a tree. And they had uh, found what they said was a nest up under a, a uh, pine tree. And that actually was right off of that top, uh, not far from where we were when that happened. And uh, the ranger had said that, you know, whatever had, had built this nest up under. And this was during the, uh, the off-season at that park. Uh, during the off-season, they don't, they lock down. Uh, the group camps that you rent because they're not winterized. So they don't want people down there like turning on the water and, and you know, it freezing come, come winter and doing all kinds of damage. And they had went down there getting things ready. And that's when they said they had found this, this nest down there. And he had said that you could sit in this nest on your knees and you could like pretty much see the entire campsite, like through the, the, uh, the branches of this pine tree it was under. He's like, it was really creepy. And. I, I don't know if it's like we just happened upon it or if maybe, you know, this, the, this thing is, is staying there part of the year or in that area part of the year or what. I, I kind of think now that because we've had this big field battle for hours, 
right before that happened, and we had a big, a big, uh, a big fire, bonfire going there uh, nearby where we were having this, this this battle. I kind of think that that may be what drew it out. You know, maybe just curiosity was. Uh, you know, what the hell are these guys doing? You know, most of the people they rent those sites up there, like you know, church groups and stuff like that. So I think maybe we 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 kind of lured it out and. What, what's really creepy to me, more than anything, I, I've got, you know, four kids, and, uh, for, you know, we've been doing this for a long time, and for years, uh, we used that section of, of the site there, you know, for our staff members to sleep in these cabins, and I would leave my kids in there, in those cabins, you know, sleeping all night long while I'm out, you know, doing stuff at these events. And it looked, for all intents and purposes, like it was walking from behind that last cabin on the on the other side of where we were so that's creeped me out really hugely ever since then you know like if it was behind that cabin you know what the hell was it doing behind that cabin exactly. right yeah that's terrifying you know when we were in texas there is we were camping at and where we found footprints was actually about a hundred maybe a hundred yards away from camp and where we had actually found the footprints was in this little area where brushes were the brush was set up and a person could actually just sit there and you could watch the camp and no one would ever know you're there. So, I mean, I, I understand your uh, feeling of being terrified. I wanted to ask you, have you ever gone back to the area since your encounter? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, we've, we've had, a, we had events after that since then. And, uh, we, me and my wife actually on, uh, April the 1st, actually, just about a week ago, we actually went up there to go on. There's one trail we never have taken on that site, so we decided, you know, to go on this one trail, and it goes way down to the lake that's there, and I found something that maybe, I don't know if it's anything related, you know, talk about bent, you know, trees and stuff. Um, but yeah, I've been there plenty of times since then. Never, never experienced anything else like that. You know you're going back to these areas to where you've experienced things. Are you hoping to have another encounter? I, I want to see, I really want to see Another one. I always said if I saw one, I'd be done, you know, because I knew they, but now that and I had a researcher tell me, he's like, yeah, but you know, you, you say that until you see another one and then it's just worse. You want to see it again. And so it kind of is like that. Uh, I, I want to see another one, you know, clearly like I saw that one. Part of me kind of thinks it's pride, you know, I want to see one and not freak out like a, <laughs> like yeah. a terrified schoolgirl. Yeah. Which is normal though. Usually when I, when I talk to people, and they say, oh, yeah, I saw it. And it didn't scare me one bit. Usually I kind of raise an eyebrow a little bit because I would say the, the normal human being reaction is complete fear. You know, you, you kind of freak out when you see them. But, yeah. yeah. I agree completely because that the, the way that thing was walking off, I, it, I mean, maybe you just had uh, an amazing poker face, but it really just exuded confidence like it did not see us as a threat that's the way it felt right you know, saw the way it moved and the way it paused and looked at us and, and you know when it turned to look at us you know it was it was just far enough away and it, you know it was dark there was a moon out but it was dark enough that you couldn't make out you know facial features really so i don't know if you know, if it was moving its lips or scrunching its you know brow or what but uh didn't really have to see it to really kind of get the you know impression that it didn't care yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I, most of the time with wild animals, they'll either run or they'll attack. And I'll say 99% of the time that they'll run. 
Uh, it's very small percentage that most wild animals will attack you. But with these things, it's strange because they don't really run from you. So it's unique. It's a different situation of being in. You know, these things don't seem to be too afraid of you. Uh, a lot of times they'll linger around. It's just an odd, odd creature. And, you know, I've, I've thought about it, you know, since then, and, and you know, it, it could have just literally just stood still, and we would have passed it and never, never seen anything. And so, you know, why, why did it decide to move then? You know, and, and that cabin that it was behind, or looked like it was coming behind, it's not far at all from the wood line, you know, where the, where the woods are right there next to the cabins. And, I, you know, it's, I, I sit there and think this stuff over a thousand times, you know, why didn't it just, you know, walk in a straight manner right to the woods and just go in, you know? But it didn't. It, it kind of seemed like it It didn't care, you know, if we saw it or not. Almost, I don't know, part of it almost felt like it wanted us to see it or something, and, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, you go through the psychological roller coaster after you've seen something like this or you've had an encounter, and you play it over and over and over in your head. You know, even with your encounter with the, the boulder being thrown off where you actually didn't see anything, even something like that, you'll overplay, you'll replay in your head, and it's something that'll stick with you the rest of your life. Be safe while you're out there. I, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, Randy. I can't thank you enough for sharing your your story with the audience and with me. Oh, no problem. Happy to, man. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Next on the show, I want to welcome Kevin and his wife, Keely. Kevin's actually a former police officer from Michigan. Uh, who now lives out in Alaska, and he had a he had a couple interesting encounters, and I want to go ahead and welcome you to the show, Kevin. Can you start out by talking about? Uh, give us a little bit of background and tell us about your first encounter out there in Michigan. Back in the early nineties, um, I was a uh, new police officer in the state of Michigan, and um, I, avid hunter, avid fisherman, loved enjoying the woods of northern Michigan. And never really thought much about uh, the phenomenon as far as Bigfoot or Sasquatch. Um, it was a pretty analytical, and I still am a pretty analytical-minded individual. Alcona County, Michigan, uh, it's known as, known as Hoist Lakes Foot Travel Area. It's approximately 10, 11,000 square acres of non-motorized uh, primitive foot travel area run by the U.S. Forest Service. And that area is encompassed by uh, the Huron Manistee National Forest uh, on top of that. So it was a very, um, I want to say, it's remote, remote especially for that part of northern Michigan. And just really enjoyed it. It was a very quiet area. Well, things that I would do to get away to just kind of contemplate and think about things. And um, really enjoyed it. And, you know, and it's very pretty to this day. I, I don't necessarily want to persuade people against enjoying it, but uh, just to maybe be cautious about when they are out there. So on this particular day, it was, I can't remember the exact date, uh, but it was in late September of 1994. Um, it was early in the evening and, or excuse me, later in the evening. I had hiked back to, uh, off the west side of the area off of Aspen Valley Road. Went back, it's approximately about two and a half miles hike back into this area called Byron Lake. Very pretty lake. And I was just enjoying the day or enjoying the evening. And then I just kind of lost track of time a little bit. And I realized that um, it was getting dark. And the flashlight that I did have with me, um, I had started to check it in kind of like a dummy I had. And 
packed fresh batteries. So, um, which I had because uh, I actually ended up having to walk out of this uh, area uh, in the dark. <laughs> and but I had been back there so many times that I basically had grabbed a long stick, kind of like a walking stick, and could kind of feel my way out of the trail. I mean, it was pretty much that dark. Um, so I walked back, got about two miles out back from Byron Lake. So I was about a half a mile from the parking area on the west side of this air, uh, the travel area. And the moon was just starting to come up, start to see, you know, the outlines and stuff. Um, and so I'm coming down this gully. And as I come down, off on my left, this, if I was thinking about it, um, what I could see in the, in the moonlight, it was approximately about nine to ten foot tall. It just, it, it was, it happened so fast. This silhouette, uh, standing upright, let a scream out that, for lack of a better, beyond stand your hair up, it's kind of like almost knocks your soul out of your body. Um, you know, I had been in the military, was a, a Marine Corps officer, co uh, combat infantry. Um, and I, although I had never, you know, had been in uh, combat action, but was definitely trained for any of this. But um, between police training and military training, that kind of all took over at this point. Um, still scared. I look off. This silhouette is screaming. I grab my sidearm off, and I yell, police. I'm not thinking, what is this? Never experienced this before in my life. Never heard this kind of scream or anything in life. It lets out another bellow, and I fire a shot up into the air. Now, normally police are uh, police are trained to fire center mass, and I'm thinking, what 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 the freak is this? And as a, as a shot rings out, this thing lets out another screech, but it runs away, and it runs away. Um, facing to the south-southwest, uh, perpendicular to the trail, and it's plowing through um, young aspen stands, and it, it's gone in a matter of just seconds. It moved at such an incredible speed. It was just beyond amazing. And as it's going away, I'm not standing around waiting for something else or whatever to come back. Right. I just, I take off running, and I book it back to the truck. I fire the truck off. I, I just, I tear out of there. And I'm just, I'm numb at this point. I can definitely understand your brother having an issue as far as not wanting to drive. I mean, being shaken up and stuff like that. But at this point, it's like, I'm, it's like I'm not even in control of the actions of what I'm doing. This is all flight training going on. Just get the freak out of there. No way. My limits can't around. And I just, you know, I don't cry at too many things in life, but, you know, every time I sit back and I really replay this in life, I is the scaredest I've ever been in life. And I've had guns pointed at me, uh, you know, and the barrel gets about, you know, five, six inches wide. We can see that. And nothing, nothing can even compare to what I had felt during this time. It, what did you think it was? At, at, to begin with, at the initial screen, I didn't know. Um, and then when I looked off and I had saw how tall it was, I'm thinking person at first. 
And then I'm like, no, I have never heard anybody who, who even had the lung capacity to, you know, make that kind of a scream. Of course, all of this happens and transfixes within just a matter of 10 to, 10 to 15, 20 seconds. And it was just a blur. So as far as thinking initially what it was, yeah, I mean, I was confused. As I left and I was driving, I started thinking about what my grandfather had told me. He believed in, in, in Bigfoot. He had had an encounter back in the 40s where he had, in that same area, in those cedar swamps, had gotten chased out by one. And, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I, at the, when I'm driving, I started thinking, you know, was that a Bigfoot? Was that a Sasquatch? When my mind really started being able to come off the, you know, flight response and, you know, I was able to start thinking somewhat coherently. Um, I'm thinking, gosh, do I, do I pull into the state police post and call us? Do I, do I say anything about this? And I'm like thinking, I don't want to say anything about this. Yeah. People are going to think it's crazy, you know? Um, and I, and I kept it to myself for, you know, very, very long time. I, I, you know, other than my grandfather, I had told to when I had gotten back, uh, home and, um, he sat down and really went over what had happened with him. He had never really told anybody, including the kids, from my understanding about that. He felt the same way. And, uh, you know, he was just, uh, he understood the fear that I had and wanting to extract oneself from that kind of a situation. Yeah, it's, so. it's terrifying. It's, it's, as I listened to the story, I know you and I talked yesterday and, and you kind of gave me the rundown on it. I mean, I think that would terrify just about anyone. You know, not being able to really see, and it, I would imagine what you saw was basically a silhouette. Yes. I mean, you could make out a nine to ten fall, or nine to, excuse me, nine to ten foot tall, uh, human silhouette. Although it, the proportions of what I remember, I do remember distinctively the cone shaped head. It was very, it was huge. It was massive on its chest. And I'm, again, with this all happening so fast, it's like, to make these split-second decisions, I mean, I know that, especially nowadays, people really can kind of armchair quarterback in a way actions of police. Right. Police officers have to make, you know, very split-second decisions, life and death in those situations. Until you're in those shoes, you know, you, I don't think anybody can be the judge of them uh, whatsoever. It's a very tough job. I mean, I don't do it anymore, but, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like, what do you do? And, you know, how do you assess those situations? And what are you seeing? The second time that you encountered this thing, uh, you were with your wife, right? Correct. Um, yeah, we were on, uh, kind of fast forward to the year 2010. We were on a short, we were just went on a vacation in July of uh, 2010. We decided to go up and, um, just kind of go to the Pacific Northwest and just, uh, well, we lived in California at the time. And so we drove up to, uh, Darrington, Washington and just decided we were going to go, uh, hiking and fishing. And, um, I was going to go do some target practice. And so I had brought some, um, some of my guns. And, um, so we, we had went up and we went to Darrington in July. So we pitched a tent and, uh, camped out in this beautiful area. There's a, there's a trout pond there. On the southwest side of the property, you can see the mountains. Um, but what does back up to this is forest. Um, there is a, a road that goes up to the south of the town that you can drive up. And um, so we just 
drove up there just to look around. I thought, wow, this is pretty dense. You know, it's just one of these things with the Pacific Northwest versus the difference in tree cover that you would find in northern Michigan is that the Pacific Northwest is very dense. You can't see very far a foot to two inside these. Uh, you know, it, it's practically, it is a rainforest of some sort, and to see very far, you can't. And I noticed that that was kind of a difference of that. And um, so we were just kind of enjoying, went back down, went to sleep first night. Um, not, nothing really went on, woke up the next day, you know, just kind of went into town. You know, we had gotten uh, looking around, and we come back again, camp down at night, and we get ready for bed, and um, our son's with us, and he's sleeping in the other tent uh, with the dog, and so we're in the other tent, we lay down, go to sleep, about one in the morning, we hear, <laughs> it, it sounded like, it sounded like the chatter. And to me, initially, I think I woke up first. Did I wake up first? Yeah, he woke me up after the commotion began. And he's looking at me, he's like, do you hear this? And I'm like, yes. And immediately, I'm I'm frozen, I'm petrified. I'm like, oh my goodness, what what is that? Where is it at? You know, I'm thinking, you know, I am in a chance. There is... <laughs> piece of fabric between me and whatever is going on out there. And then I'm thinking of my stepson, I'm thinking of our dog, you know, he, my stepson was probably 12, 13 at the time, um, and, you know, he had his 22 pistol, I believe, or, but nothing that could, you know, really protect him, so I'm worried about him, I'm trying to figure out what is going on. What is it that you're hearing? What's the noise that you're hearing? sounds like primates and it sounds like multiple monkeys and I think they're angry there's a lot of anger and I, I just it reminds me of two primates fighting and they're extremely loud and there's multiple animals you know dogs going off and wolves in the background but, but you can hear the anger and frustration in these primates, that's what I'm assuming, primate voices. And I just, it sounds like they're running and it's getting louder and I'm thinking, oh my God, where are they at? And of course, you know, I'm, I'm scared. I'm nervous. Um, I don't have a lot of experience with firearms. I, like, how am I going to protect myself? What did you think it was? Well, what happened, what, what I thought it was anyways was that it, well, looking back in, in retrospect, especially after hearing, you know, the chatter, um, that was mixed in a little bit with this. But as she was saying, it was like two big gorillas, big primates that were in a fight. Now, they moved incredibly fast. I think, from what I remember, they crashed through the one side of the pond. They were on the west side of this campground within a matter of seconds. Now, this, just to give us, you know, everyone a, an idea of exactly how far the distance these things covered, it would probably take an average in-shape runner probably a good 30 seconds to cover this distance, and they had covered it within a matter of two seconds. It was just boom, 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 crash, bang. And when they did get to the west side, they let out a, this thing let out a scream, from what I remember, 
and it immediately everything just it was like the sounds of the forest got turned off the dogs shut up the cricket shut up everything just got pin you could hear a pin drop and i'm thinking okay i had i clutched a pistol at that time thinking okay whatever's going to come in you know or come by this you know i'm going to have to defend we felt backed into a corner at this point and but that was it and it was done um Whoever was did that had evidently moved off, and um, that was all we heard. So, the end of it. <laughs> so it was a very, you know, brief moments of of, of fear, you know, fear, terror at this point. And uh, like my wife said, you know, she <laughs> we're in this little tent. And um, you know. I'm curious, Keely, did you have did you have any experience with this prior to this encounter? actually my first experience um and so what was going through your mind were you thinking well maybe this is two sasquatches out there or are you thinking apes got loose i'm kind of curious on what is going through your i mean i know what's going through your mind because i've heard it before and it's terrifying but what i mean what were you thinking was it time to go or i was extremely scared uh, not only for me but for my family um i, I knew it was I knew it was Sasquatch Bigfoot. I, I did. Uh, just with, you know, the terrain of where we were, the location. Um, earlier that day, we had, uh, like Kevin said, did a little bit of driving, sightseeing, and we did get out. And I, myself, stumbled upon some branches that had been snapped. So, with that experience earlier in the day, I, I pretty much... I figured, you know what, this is not, <laughs> this is not, um, somebody playing a game. Um, this is legit. I, I really thought that was, I, I was very scared. I was uh, in a unfamiliar place. I have, like I said, a piece of fabric between me and whatever is coming towards me. You know, I felt safe in the fact, knowing that I know my husband would be there to protect me and my stepson, but still, you know, I have no idea if this is two, it sounded like two primates, two Sasquatches, could be more. I didn't know what I was up against. I really didn't, and I just, I was petrified. I mean, I literally just sat in the tent like, I, I can't move. I was paralyzed. It's like my brain said, okay, you need to protect yourself. But my body said, you're not, I'm not going to let you. So, Kevin, did you guys leave that night? We actually, um, no, we, we had stayed and, um, I was up all night after that point. I had gotten up and that, that was it. I mean, I was pretty much on, uh, <laughs> Marine, uh, fireman, uh, patrol there at that point, Century Patrol. I was not about to, uh, let anything come in there, but there were other campers in the area. Um, some had had, um, had backed up and I had noticed their lights had come on. So I thought that these other people had to have heard this. And so, you know, so dawn came pretty early, um, during that time. I mean, that was pretty much close to the summer solstice. So I went and I talked to a couple of the other campers. I never got their names, but, you know, that was pretty much the talk there in the morning about what the freak was that. And even including uh, one of the campers who had, well, they basically had lived on the campground. They were kind of like the campground hosts. Um, I talked to the gentleman, and he said, you know, he had never heard that before. And that was 
circulating. And yes, I mean, the term Bigfoot Sasquatch was falling off everyone's lips at that point um, as to what that was. But, you know, and just like, you know, that first encounter that I had had with, and then the encounter with what we both experienced, you know, in 2010, it was just incredibly fast. That was, you know, in and out, sheer terror. Um, you know, I think, you know, Weston, you know, you and I talked about how humans react in these situations and just kind of a, in a, in a evolutionary, you know, view of this is to, the actions that we do kind of, you know, they predicate it into whether you live or die. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah. I mean, um, you, you fight or flight. And I think in this case, I mean, this particular, you know, situation in 2010, I mean, you know, I had never seen her, you know, terrified like that. I felt horrible, horrible that I had even just, you know, brought her out here, brought my son out here at this point. I, you know, I love hunting and camping. Um, I mean, we love the outdoors so much, you know, we live in Alaska now. And, but I look at after just even the second encounter, I look at things very different as far as even going into the woods. Right. And, yeah. and, and as we found out in, in, in 2012, uh, <laughs> being in the woods or being in a, in a tent, um, yeah, that's scary enough, but there's no guarantee you can be in your house and still have an issue with these things, uh, yeah. depending on where you're located. You're absolutely and, right. You know what? And, and people have to understand that, you know, I'm not, and, and Keely's not a, a person that, you know, we don't go out like you would find on Finding Bigfoot. We're not out making whoop calls and tree knocks and all this other stuff. I'm not, and nor would I ever encourage anybody to actively court these things. Don't do it. Um, for those out there who, you know, they would sit there and say that, you know, um, no, they're, they're harmless and, um, that's fine and they're not going to bother you. I mean, I sit and I watch, you know, that on, the, the TV show, uh, but yeah, and and I I just and they let you ask them, and it's like you know people would ask these people who said things like they're, they're okay. And it's like have you ever had an experience? And they're like, well, no. And I'm like, well, then how can you speak? Yeah. <laughs> Especially, I mean, what we've been through with the reactions that you you will have if you do encounter one of these things that you're gonna wish you didn't. Yeah. So you know, yeah, it, it's just kind of like you know why would I liken it to why would anybody walk out into the forest make grizzly bear calls and hope that a grizzly bear comes up and uh or a sow grizzly sow with their cubs no they're harmless well no they're not and yeah. these things are illicit probably 10 times the amount of terror and being in Alaska her and I have encountered grizzly bears <laughs> yeah you know it's just that kind of ludicrousy you're dead on with your grizzly bear analogy I mean uh, if you ask some of these people to do that, the answer would be no. It'd be flat out no. Well, why not? Well, a grizzly bear can rip your head off. Well, I'm sorry to say, so can Sasquatch. Um, oh, yeah. I wanted to ask you, so you, you actually had a, a third encounter when you were in California. Do you guys want to talk about that? Well, we lived in, um, uh, well, it was kind of Placerville, but it really was in Camino. Uh, we had leased out, rented out a, uh, it was kind of an old, um, I want to say fruit orchard. It was in, um, what's the name of that area? Apple Hill. Yeah, Apple Hill. Um, well, we were situated up off of a, a road called Fruit Ridge and set towards the back, uh, Mountain View Road. Set on the property there and towards the uh, back. It's about five acres. 
pops up to um, a forest into the back. Um, there's not much that goes back down there. Uh, it's kind of, it, we're, it's on top of a ridge, but the land was flat, just to kind of give people a little bit of a perspective. Power lines to the north, and then there was a, uh, uh, a vineyard uh, just to the north as well. So anyways, we were in, in this house that <sighs> the, the exterior of it, um, it hadn't really been taken care of, hadn't been really lived in per se. I mean, it had been, but the people who had been there didn't take care of it. There were weeds that was overgrown. It looked like basically an abandoned house. And, you know, people were probably wondering, well, why would we get into something like that? And But we kind of like challenges, so uh, we moved in on the 1st of June, and we went to town uh, cleaning the property up. And just to kind of give people an understanding of how uh, run over this was as far as cover. Um, we got visited the second night at two, three in the morning by a mountain lion. Um, so that, you know, we, we, I came in the, and I actually got a spotlight on it. It was a big one. And she had gotten up, leaned up against our bedroom window and let us scream out while we were both sleeping. Now people have heard, <laughs> you know, these are essentially tigers in the, you know, the Sierra Nevada. And to let a scream out like that is going to scare one right out of their sleep. I just kind of gravitated out of bed and grabbed a rifle, thinking this thing's coming through the window. But so that was, you know, whatever this was, um, you know, that we had encountered, um, it came through one July evening at about two in the morning. Um, we have two cats, and they like to, you know, they like to sleep with us. And my one cat... She woke me up. She started meowing. She was just in a kind of like a frantic meow, very petrified, climbing under the covers with the nails out that kind of gripping me. And I'm thinking, what the freak? So I wake up. I get out of bed because it's uncomfortable to begin with. Now, we have two bedroom windows, one situated to open to the uh, east and one to the south. I hear footsteps. I mean, very heavy thud, thud and this I thought at a split second who's running through my yard and who is 500 pounds <laughs> you know right. because of the the, this, the, the the thundering footsteps of this now my wife hadn't woke up at the point yet and and again this is just kind of like those other two encounters this happened fairly quick um, this cleared a distance of, again, which would probably take an in-shape an in runner a good 30 to 40 seconds to clear the distance from where I first heard the first fall into where I heard the next foot put, here, the third one fall. It had cleared and it had landed down on this road that had that ran on the south side of this property. So and it was also, it had to leap over some pretty tall barbed wire that we had had down there. Kevin, I'm curious, did you actually see the creature or did you just hear it running? heard it running it was dark um and when this when it ran through definitely could tell this is not on four it was if anybody was to just lie in bed at night with their window open and hear a very large man run through you're going to hear that traditional two-foot step running through it just kind of you know it, it put somewhat of a vibration out when it came down but it was very fast it was three steps it had cleared this incredible distance now it's on the south side of the um, of the house at this point, down along this road, and two 
huge rocks, and I don't want to even say rock. I mean, they're kind of not. I, I don't want to use the term boulder. I'm not going to use that. But it was almost kind of volleyball size. I don't know where. You know, it, there were some rocks that were down there as far as landscaping. Get picked up, thrown up, and they hit the side of the house. And of course, they cracked the siding. And it's like crash, crash. And at this point, I'm thinking, what the freak? So, I mean, immediately go into, you know, this kind of, um, I'm, I'm in my house. And so I, as far as I'm concerned, uh, the old castle doctrine applies. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to retreat out of a house. Um, whatever's trying to get our attention. I, you know, and, and thinking back in retrospect, of course, I wasn't thinking this at the time. We had mowed down and disturbed a lot of stuff to try to clear this area out. It was full of fruit trees and, uh, I could see it, but he, you know, Potentially being a, you know, a pretty much a, a pick and eat tree, uh, um, it had persimmon trees, uh, all, all sorts of apple trees. And so it was kind of like a, you know, fruit bar, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of what I, that's kind of what I was wondering too is, is maybe, you know, with the game, there's just plenty of food. And sometimes, you know, areas where you've never seen them before and all of a sudden they're passing through. If you look around it geographically, sometimes you can find an area that's just been, you know, deforested or, you know, and then all of, I've had a few guests talk about that where it never happened before. And the last two years, these things passed through at a certain time, come to find out they were clear cutting the area where I think they were actually passing through at one time or using that as their travel corridor. These things definitely, uh, endure. I, I totally subscribe to the theory, um, that you guys, you know, that you put forward, and, and of course others do as well, but these are, they, they tend to, they're nocturnal. And all, you know, all three incidences have been in pretty much pitch black, dark, um, you know, uh, scenes. That, that, that's just what they, their MO, they, they tend to travel, uh, these corridors and they tend to like cover, you know, and that's, as a hunter, I mean, you, you, it's hunters know, I mean, Food and cover, right? I mean, that's where you're going to find, you know, any wild game. And I mean, I think these things are wild. I don't think they're human. Uh, that this, they're, they're some, they're something. They're, they're some type of a, a biological primate. Um, but you know, it just, anyways, just the end of this, the, the, just getting, getting back to the rest of this encounter real quick. These, these rocks come up, they, and it was like just foom, foom. I mean, it, they, they crashed big time. Um, they, there was only two windows, and, they, and they, of course, they missed the windows where they could have hit. Um, but, I mean, had they hit, I mean, obviously, they would have blasted right through these, uh, any windows that would have been there. Again, just, just large, large rocks and whatever. I, I couldn't, I don't think an Olympic discus player uh, could throw something like this from where I had perceived these uh, footsteps ended where they come up. You could hear it sailing through the air real quick uh, before they hit. And, I mean, at this point, Keely's starting to stir. She she was asleep. Um, and right before I think, you know, she really woke up, I had heard that as you're, you know, at the beginning of the show, you, you play, um, you know, a couple introductions and you hear these whoops. Very, a couple quick whoops. I heard uh, a wood-on-wood tree knock. And then off into the distance, I heard a response. Same type of deal, another knock, a whoop. And... At this point, she's waking up. This, I, I'm trying to get, I'm saying, you've got to see this. you got to hear this. And whatever was 
started to move off, it moved off to the west and went down into some very thick uh, uh, tree cover. And and then, just like what we talked about the other day about, you know, these long, like what you had experienced in Texas, I think, you know, we kind of put the two and two together yesterday and kind of came up with, you know, that's what we can describe in an audio. These long, drawn-out moans, you know, just calls. And it, whatever did this had incredible lung capacity, far more than I, I was, I'd never even heard this before, and I've been in the woods my whole life. And it held this tone, these, these calls for like, it just seemed like forever. And I mean, it was far more than what you would ever experience a, a, an opera singer who would get up and hold a note and would, like the rest of us would turn blue and pass out. Uh, if you can imagine that times two, this is what this did. And it would, it moved around in the, in the area to the south or excuse me, to the west. And it was like going through the woods. And at this time, again, that whole traditional, everything in the forest is quiet. It's extremely eerie. Uh, we have, you know, there were dogs and, and, and horses. Um, the horses had, prior to this, what is going on, they had let off just this kind of really scared whinny and went into their barn. There was a stable that was across the street. There was a dog that would bark even at the bobcats and mountain lions that would come through. This dog was silent. We didn't hear it. You could definitely tell something was amiss. And throughout the morning until, even up until just about daylight, this thing would let off these moans like that. And like it was almost calling for something. Yeah, I, I woke up um, after the incident of um, the rock going and uh, its foot tramping through the property. But I distinctly remember just the ambiance just silence. You know, yeah, everything I, going quiet. Yeah. I, yeah, just like utter, just no noise, no crickets in the background. And like Kevin had mentioned, you know, the dog, you, you hear him pretty much every night, whether it was uh, coyotes that he was um, barking down or, you know, uh, deer. Yeah, there, there was mountain lions, there was bobcats. I mean, just utter silence. I didn't hear anything. I did hear these long drawn out, just whoops, I mean, just, just like Kevin described, I mean, the lung capacity was amazing. It went on for a good 45 minutes, hour and a half, um, can't quite say, I was still <laughs> in and out of it, um, I distinctly remember silence, and then the long whoops, and I could hear it getting further and further away, um, like it was leave, kind of leaving the area? Yes, yeah, definitely leaving the area. You know, a few months ago, I stumbled across a recording on YouTube um, in California. It was, uh, I think, Mill Creek. Is that, I, I, we were talking about it yesterday. I don't remember the exact. Yeah, yeah Mill Creek. Yeah. Well, this happened right in that time span. And when you look, I, I pulled up Google Maps and I where we lived and from where they were at, aerial miles anyways, you know, as the crow flies, we were maybe 40 miles from this. And just, I, I mean, I find that ironic. I cannot with any certainty say that that was the exact same night. I just can't. 
I know I don't have a Bigfoot calendar that I mark down, you right. know, stats like right. recordings and or sightings rather, encounters. Right? Uh, I don't. I don't have a Bigfoot diary. Um, yeah, I think it's an interesting note. You know, the Cedar. I believe it's the Cedar Mill recordings happened around the same time you guys had this creature pass through your uh, property. It's definitely an interesting note. Sure. I mean, it is. It's kind of like. You know, we were talking yesterday about, you know, how, you know, so many coincidences. And I mean, after, you know, coincidences are, can be coincidences, but when you have coincidence on top of coincidence on top of coincidence, that kind of starts blending. It, it kind of morphs into, you know, evidence. Right, right. That kind of makes a transformation there, transmutation. I wanted to ask you, was that the one, was that the one time that it only happened that one time at your house? Yeah, that was it. it, it that was, um, that was it. It was gone. I mean, we had, um, you know, we decided we were, we had gotten livestock after that. We had started raising chickens several months after that. And, um, you know, never, never really had a problem or anything like that. I mean, we had had, you know, I caught on trail camera. I did put trail cameras up, you know, thinking, well, maybe this was going to come back, but, you know, never. I, I caught wildlife. I think mean, I caught a bobcat stealing a chicken, but, you know, not nothing really anything like that but um it that was it and um personal encounters one-on-one with what Keely and I have experienced you know that that's it 2012 July 2012 has been the last time well one time's enough when it's on your own property but I wanted to thank you Kevin and Keely for coming on the show thanks for listening to you by the way yeah 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 no problem And I want to remind everyone out there listening, if you've had an encounter and you'd like to be on the show, shoot me an email at wes at sasquatchchronicles.com. Please check out the website, sasquatchchronicles.com. And we are out of time. I will see you next time. Some tool.